welcome to the Age of Plastic podcast, an environmental podcast with me, Andrea Fox, where I chat to experts to try and cut through the climate change overwhelm and get rid of our single-use plastic guilt. And if you are finding our current climate emergency overwhelming, don't worry, you're in the right place. Coming up on today's episode, we find out what the dickens we can do about it. And today we're chatting to Less Plastic founder and author of the new Plastic Game Changer book, Amanda Keatley. First, though, we've had rain. We've had hailstorms that have decimated the Garden of France. And now Greyland has lost two billion tonnes of ice. Well... I'm not saying that Hugh Fernley Whittingstall and Anita Rani can save us, but that War on Plastic show on the BBC is pretty good, isn't it? If you want more on those stories, then you can head to the show notes and we keep the conversation going online. So come and say hi, Age of Plastic Podcast on Instagram and Facebook or find me on Twitter, Andrea underscore Fox. And if you enjoy this episode, please review, like, rate and subscribe. It helps others find us. And frankly, I do a happy dance. And thank you to Cal Rowe for this amazing review. <coughs> Cal says, this is the most fantastic forum that brings together the thoughts of so many clever, like-minded people. It's a reassuring listen and restores your faith in humanity. You're doing great, Andrea. Thanks for giving us this. Oh, thumbs up and smiley emoji. I know that is basically the online equivalent of retweeting praise, but I'm going to keep doing it. So get in touch with your reviews and I might be reading them out on the next podcast. Time for today's guest, though, Amanda Keatley, founder of organisation Less Plastic, who give practical tips on cutting plastic pollution in the workplace. And now she's an author. Her book, Plastic Game Changer, How to Reduce Plastic in Your Organisation to Make a Difference to Plastic Pollution is out now. And we talk about individual and collective responsibility for plastic pollution, what it takes to go viral, what it takes to write a book and how to print an eco-friendly book, plus why she'd like to see her own book become obsolete. First, though, I asked Amanda Keatley why she decided to set up her company, Less Plastic. Well, it was shortly after moving to the coast in South Devon and um, really just spending more time on beaches. That was really when it kind of hit home to me how much we have a problem with plastic pollution even here um, on UK coastlines. And um, there was a particular day after a winter storm that I went for a beach walk and I just saw so much plastic washed up and tangled up in the seaweed. It really broke my heart actually just seeing, you know, the state of it on such a beautiful beach. And when I had a look and you know started trying to pick it up I saw there were things that I use in my everyday life and for me it was just when it hit home that I'm part of the problem you know I have responsibility for this as well it's not just a problem that's happening elsewhere and I just felt a really strong urge to do something about it so you know went home researched how we could use less plastic as a family and at the time there wasn't you know a lot of information out there it took quite a lot of research so as I was finding things out, I decided I'd want to use my marketing skills because that was my job at the time, a freelance marketing um, consultant. And I just decided to use that to sort of hopefully inspire other people to use less plastic too. So it really just started as a bit of a side project, but then kind of took over as these things do. Um, and yeah, it just went from there. I think designing infographics um, and trying to convey things in quite a um, easy to understand way rather than letting people be overwhelmed by the problem trying to show them practical ways that they can make a difference yeah and your website lessplastic.co.uk has loads of great tips on it but wasn't it one of your really lovely infographics that went viral that really kicked things off yeah the very first infographic that i developed was nine tips for living with less plastic and um 
within about a month, I think Greenpeace International had shared it. And um, then they shared it again, actually, at New Year as kind of inspiration for New Year's resolutions. And that's really when my social media following exploded. And um, that infographic, actually, we've now translated into 23 languages, ranging from like Indonesian to Irish and all sorts of languages in between. Um, and that's really done when volunteers get in touch with me and say, we love your infographic, we love it in our language. And I sort of do it every couple of months. We do a batch. Um, and yeah, it's just brilliant to see that they're kind of having an impact worldwide. Yeah, and we're going to get on to the book, Plastic Game Changer, in a bit. But you were at first using all of the knowledge that you accrued and going business by business to companies, weren't you? Yeah, well, I sort of started off quite informally, really, giving um, talks to sort of community groups and local business networking groups and even like a couple of schools just sharing generalised tips for living with less plastic. But I quite quickly realised that although individuals can make a really big difference with their everyday choices, businesses can just make a massive, massive difference just due to the scale of what they do and how many people and processes that come in contact with on a daily basis so that's when you know I started talking to businesses and I think it was World Environment Day last year 2018 um, that week a couple of different corporations got in touch and asked me to go in and talk and they were sort of like just out of the blue really and for me that was when I realized there was a real sort of need for external people to come in and bring their stories to sort of the corporate world and just sort of show it in a different way um, so I sort of developed a talk for those companies and then since then I've been talking to um, quite a few different companies like ranging from sort of banks and financial um, institutions to like entertainment companies, technology companies, um, medicinal supply companies, you know, a right range of um, companies really that I think they sort of see it as like a bit of an employee engagement tool actually to kind of give their employees motivation that they can make a difference in their roles and and you know maybe to appeal to the millennials that want to sort of have a job with um, a purpose aspect and you know they not everyone can have their dream job maybe working for a cause directly but they could actually find a way to sort of bring that meaning into their their jobs in their current workplace so that's been really interesting discovering that actually yeah totally that's what you hear these days right we all want more purpose in our jobs we're being more conscious consumers um i also wanted to ask when you go around all these companies were you getting any like resistance or pushback from any of your ideas? Um, I think usually when I'm in the talk, um, obviously they want to hear what I have to say. They're not um, they're not compulsory talks, so I suppose the room, the, the attendees in the room, are probably the people that are more likely to be interested in it. You do have a few questions at the end with people sort of struggling to see how they can maybe apply content to their everyday role. Um, so, you know, for me, I, I often use the case studies that are also in the book, you know, companies that have done it before and that have proven that this can be done. And, you know, there is always the case where there's a will, there's a way and you can use creativity and innovation. And this is the other thing, actually, it's not just about giving people purpose, it's actually um, allowing them to sort of have a little bit more free range and channel their creativity and innovation into solving this problem um, rather than just doing everything business as usual you know status quo it's actually 
um, you know, quite nice. People feel lighted up by that challenge. I can totally see how having that ownership over something would be like good for business. Um, now, I think most people will know of the uh, five R's, is it? Reduce, refuse, recycle and rot. I think I missed one out there. Um, but can you take us through the five P's which you've developed in your book? Well, the reason I created these five P's was um, just sort of as a marketing person, realising that people sort of latch on to systems like this and it makes it more memorable and easy to sort of understand. But when I sort of describe what the five P's are, it's kind of like um, business plan adapted for plastic in the five P's. Um, so it's something that I know works, you know, it's how we would tackle any issue to get results. And so the five P's to become a plastic game changer are picture, plot, pledge, plan, promote. And just really briefly, um, picture is like looking at the current situation, acknowledging the plastic crisis, and then picturing your company as part of the solution. Um, plot is auditing the current plastic usage and identifying areas that need to change. Pledge is all about setting targets um, for where you want to go, but also, um, you know, it's publicly pledging to keep yourself accountable. And but there's also the benefit of it's actually quite good from a PR perspective. And it also helps employees realise that you're taking it seriously and be committed and focused to that project. Plan is like the meteor section because um, it's basically giving your um, team the sort of empowering your team to come up with some creative, um, innovative solutions. Um, so having a brainstorming section to that. And once you've come up with these ideas, forming a plan and then committing and implementing that. And then promote is really about measuring all these results and sort of looking back at where you started and, and what you've achieved. And then promoting it sort of both for um, sort of promotional reasons, such as PR and, and everything, but also to share your best practice and, and, you know, to have an even greater impact and ripple effect of change among your customers and your supply chain and, and your industry. Yeah, and this is what you call the unexpected benefits in the book, isn't it? Can you explain a bit about that? Yes, yeah, so the unexpected benefits um, of reducing plastic from, from a business point of view, um, you know, well, I've already touched on some of them, which is, you know, engaging your employees um, and you can get third party recognition from maybe industry awards or green awards. You know, even like when Iceland Foods announced their pledge to take plastic out of their frozen food packaging um, by 2023, you know, he was on morning TV, he was in all the newspapers and even Theresa May mentioned him in Parliament. So that's like for Iceland Food to have sort of seen as a value brand, they've now been really catapulted into this new sort of domain where they're actually seen as a real leader for eco issues. And I'm sure they will appeal to a broader audience for that. I mean, other unexpected benefits include some people think that it would cost more to get rid of single-use plastic from their business, but actually you find that there's some um, efficiencies in your processes where you maybe haven't challenged yourself to think a different way of doing things. And when you do, you find that you can save time or money um, as well as resources and you can save money on your waste costs through their whole supply chain, but they do still um, bear a lot of cost for what they generate on their premises. So by reducing that, um, there's a benefit there. 
So yeah, that's just a couple of the unexpected benefits. And obviously it is the right thing to do for, for people and planet. And that's the main, the main reason from my perspective. Yeah, and I guess the reason you decided to write the book is because you can't get around every company in the world. But because you had so much knowledge, when it actually came to getting it all down on paper, was it like quite a quick process in the end? For me, it actually happened quite quickly in terms of the book because it was last year, 2018, that um, quite a few books were coming out, really brilliant books actually, about how individuals can use less plastic in their life. Um, lots of people that I admire were releasing books about that. And, and I just suddenly thought that there was probably a gap for what businesses could do. And although we're all responsible for this problem. I think businesses actually bear a bigger brunt than the individuals. And if they can fix the situation, then it won't be so hard for individuals to refuse and, and reduce plastic use. So um, yeah, in terms of writing it, I kind of had the idea last summer, I think it was like August time, and in sort of the similar vein to what I say in the book, I actually wrote a blog saying I've got this idea and I went public on like the title because it came up with Plastic Game Changer and the fact that I was going to write it just so that I couldn't get out of it. <laughs> so I sort of um, committed to that. And in my head, I was like hoping I'd have a first draft by Christmas, but that didn't really happen because it took quite a long time. I, I realised I needed some really good case studies and I wanted to interview and research. Um, so I sort of started writing my first draft in January this year and it was probably the sort of biggest New Year resolution I ever had. Um, and, you know, I managed to get the first draft done before we went away on holiday because we had this amazing pre-booked family holiday in the Caribbean in February. And I realised I wouldn't, it was like a once in a lifetime holiday, basically. We haven't been abroad with the children on like a transatlantic flight since, you know, they were born. So it's over 15 years. Um, so I just knew I wouldn't enjoy being on the beach if I hadn't got my first draft done. So that was a really good focus. And then really I've just been um, sort of fine tuning it up until I think it was the May Bank Holiday weekend. So this was one of the reasons I decided to self-publish really. I just felt that this book needed to get out there as quickly as possible. You know, the time is now businesses need to be making changes and I had no life basically for the first six months of this year but um you know I just got that done and um I, you know my friends will say they just haven't seen me I've been getting up at three in the morning to write and going to bed at sort of seven or eight at night but it, it was brilliant I just got it out and I'm so pleased yes totally true that we've all got responsibility but think you're right businesses have collective responsibility and what's a business it's just a bigger group of people right um, now I've actually downloaded the plastic game changer book but when it comes to writing an environmental book and actually physically getting it out there can you explain a little bit about that yeah it was quite hard because so I, I got everything written and sort of sorted out all the copy editing and everything luckily you sort of get recommended to one person that can help you with one stage and then they usually know someone that can recommend you to the next stage but it is quite a big learning curve it's not just writing the book it's working out what you're going to do in order to make it a reality and um, I wanted to do it via Amazon print on demand but then found out that there wasn't an option to have an uncoated cover because coating on most books is made of plastic and I just felt like I'd be a hypocrite if I did that so um, I am hoping actually to persuade Amazon to make that available for not just for me but all authors because then I would be being a plastic game changer and yeah speaking my own language but um 
in the meantime, I've been using this brilliant printer actually in Cornwall who have done, you know, eco-friendly recycled paper for cover and work. And it, it's just like, it's got a really lovely uncoated feel. And I think it's just the way forward for all books actually, because it's much more tactile and, um, you know, obviously it's totally recyclable if people don't want them to keep the book forever. Um, so yeah, it has been a massive learning curve, which makes me almost think I shouldn't waste it and I should at some point write another book, but that all feels too soon right now. <laughs> Maybe enjoy this first book just for a little bit longer. I have heard um, a lot of like criticism of individuals, putting the onus on the individual. Would you go along with that? Um, well... I think that we all have responsibility, to be honest. And, you know, I haven't mentioned yet the government's responsibility. Um, but my, from both, from all perspectives, really, I don't want to wait for someone else to sort it out. You know, as an individual, I don't want to wait for businesses to improve their packaging. I want to try and do what I can in my everyday life. And it's impossible to avoid all plastic. But, and that's why I really called my company Less Plastic. So I don't want it to feel, people to feel guilty when, you know, it isn't practical or possible to avoid it. Um, but it's about making a difference with your choices every day. And, you know, governments really could fix this most quickly of everyone if they would put in the right legislation and, and taxes. But they're so caught up in so many other issues that maybe they aren't putting their focus in the right place. Um, and also they, they seem to be dominated by um, short term, you know, because they're four or five year um, timeframes and, and we really need to act on something now that is going to have an impact forever. Um, so yeah, I think businesses could just massively change this. What I would love is for in five years time, this book to be totally obsolete and not be needed at all because the norm is that businesses don't use any single-use plastic it's just you know history <laughs> that would be amazing wouldn't it if uh, your book was no longer needed i wanted to also ask on like a wider scale what your thoughts are when it comes to governments because obviously we've heard like zero emissions by 2050 from theresa may and labor calling it a climate emergency and we've heard about you know um food waste and bottle return schemes and things like that so i just wanted to know what your opinion on that was yeah it just has to happen quicker and it just feels like they're caught up in some sort of ideology <laughs> debate which just isn't really making a difference to people's everyday lives in the way that these things that you've just mentioned really would you know michael gove could just get a move on with that water return scheme i don't understand the delay obviously i don't know what's going on behind closed doors but it's been proven to work there's just there doesn't seem any reason not to do that apart from potentially industry putting pressure on and, and trying to change things which you know they're, they're gonna have to stop behaving like that because the public opinion is only getting stronger and holding back on things that we know work it, it's just madness yeah, and I know that it's going back to like the individual responsibility, but um, the brilliant new programme, War on Plastic, with Hugh Fernley, Whittingstall and Anita Rani, that's really good. Things like your blog as well. It just seems like the onus and the way things are going are that people want this. I mean, I think, yeah, and I think one of the positive things about feeling responsible for it, you know, rather than sort of saying, oh, I'm an individual, I'm going to blame a business or a business saying, oh, I'm a business, I'm going to blame the government. You know, if we actually take responsibility, it's actually quite empowering because for me personally, if I look at, 
you know, some of the things that come out about plastic pollution, about microplastic being everywhere, about us not knowing how dangerous that is for our health, it can be really overwhelming. And, you know, just for the sake of mental health, <laughs> it's good to feel like you can do something about it. And even if you're not going to massively change everything, just to feel you're doing something positive that feels right and even just small steps towards um, reducing your own plastic use or you know hopefully persuading a few family and friends not by lecturing them but just by leading by example or having conversations with them and that ripple effect can be you know amazing and you'll never know how many people that you have impacted through behaving like that but you'll also feel better yourself you just feel like you're doing the right thing yes and you do talk a lot about the ripple effect in your book i also wanted to know um, what are the kind of quick and easy fixes when you're talking about reducing plastic pollution when it comes to businesses? Yeah, um, well, I mean, some of the easiest things are things like um, those single-use plastic cups next to water coolers. There's just oh. no need for them. <laughs> Why any business would still have that? Hopefully they won't very soon. Um, so, yeah, there's all sorts of quick wins. And, and in the book, I actually have a list of um, sort of quick wins. Um, I think some of the harder ones come when they're talking to suppliers and how they deliver things. Um, so sometimes you might order something and just not think how it's going to be packaged when it comes um, as a delivery. So it's really about trying to set up a process with your suppliers and maybe have like a delivery policy of how you expect things to be delivered. And actually one of the companies I um, feature in my case studies is Surfdome and they've been brilliant at sort of educating their suppliers, the brands they stock and sort of they've actually gone as far as holding like a, an educational day and those brands were really appreciative of the best practice being shared. Um, and then they've sort of set up this traffic light system of how of packaging that they would allow to come into their business. So polystyrene would be like a complete no-no because it's totally unsightful and it just gets everywhere once it gets out in the environment. But there would be other plastics that maybe they would say, okay, well, that's easier to sort of either reuse or capture and keep in a closed loop recycling. Um, so they would be sort of okay. Um, so it's really, you know, it could be useful that once you decide that you're going down this path to then educate your suppliers um, or at least share and collaborate with them. And then they may well do that for their other clients as well. And that, again, that's where you've got the ripple effect of change happening. Yeah, and I know you're a fan of the Age of Plastic podcast episode with uh, Kath from Eco Glitter, and that's exactly what they did with all their suppliers, pushing back on all that single-use plastic. Um, we always ask our guests two questions to prove we're lovers, not haters. And I know, you know, your company is called Less Plastic, Not Zero Plastic. So what is your favourite plastic item, please, Amanda? Yeah, so... I was having to think about this. I guess it would probably be my Vivo Barefoot trainers, um, which I think are made from recycled plastic. But I absolutely love them because it feels like you're walking barefoot. They're so comfy. And, yeah, they're the nicest trainers I've ever had. I was looking on their website. I think they are, I mean, they are trying to be as sustainable as possible. So I think they're switching to either recycled plastic or they've got this new one made of algae. I think, which is going to be, I'm not sure if it will actually compost, but it's at least a step away from fossil fuels. So it's, it's quite an interesting time, actually, at what people are coming up with instead of plastic. And I think 
the jury is still out whether they will have different impacts and you know we're all on this journey together. That's such a good one yeah and I think um, all birds are another good shoe company as well although I totally know what you mean like biodegradable plastics is like a whole other episode. Um, Now your book Plastic Game Changer it's got loads of great people quoted in it in fact uh, Hugo former guest on Age of Plastic podcast Hugo Tagon from Surfers Against Sewage actually does the um, opening intro to it so is it going to be difficult asking you your favourite plastic hero? I know it's so hard isn't it so I think I've got so many that I'm actually going a slight different tangent and I would say Caroline Lucas because I just I do really admire what she's she's basically been the lone voice standing for the environment in parliament for so long and I just think she talks so much sense and yeah she really is a hero in terms of trying to affect change in Parliament. And I'm just hoping that now the tide of public opinion has turned, you know, that she will be able to have a lot more impact in Parliament. So true that Caroline Lucas has basically been saying things in Parliament for years that have now become totally mainstream. Massive thank you to Amanda. I think the Vija shoes she might have been talking about are sustainable rubber. Very cool. Worn by Meghan Markle, no less. I highly recommend her book, Plastic Game Changer. I downloaded it, but the best place to buy that eco-friendly print version is on her company website, lessplastic.co.uk forward slash book. And you can find her on social media, Less Plastic UK. Read the book, then give it to your boss. Or if you are the boss, head to lessplastic.co.uk and get a Mandarin to advise you on how you can make changes to your business. I really, really appreciate Amanda's time chatting to me via the magic of the internet from her home in Devon. And I hope you've enjoyed today's episode as well. 10% of the fee of each of her books is going to support Surfers Against Sewage. So if you've read it, let me know your thoughts. On to today's environmental hack. It is the guppy friend bag. I've got one in my hand right now. It's a washing bag. A work colleague was asking me about this. And I realised, I don't think I've actually shared it on the podcast yet, Lizzie Carr, who was our guest on the last episode, was posting today that apparently we've all got about, like, a bank card's worth of plastic inside us. How's it getting in there? Well, we're ingesting it through our food. Fish are eating it. And one of the main ways that these little bits of microplastic are getting into our diet is through washing polyester items that are losing tiny little bits of plastic in every single wash cycle. The Guppy Friend bag basically allows you to trap all those microplastics in the wash. Put your clothes inside them, chuck them in the wash. And if, like me, you're an idiot and you manage to accidentally tumble dry your Guppy bag, they'll even take the old broken ones away. I'll link in the show notes as always. Don't be a stranger on social media. And an exciting Age of Plastic news, we're also on the radio. You can now hear us on Soho Radio's Culture Channel starting this Saturday the 29th at 11 and every fourth Saturday from now on broadcasting on Soho Radio's Culture Channel. So check it out, SohoRadioLondon.com and click on their culture section. Next up on the Age of Plastic, we're talking pants and periods. Ruby Rout is the co-founder and CEO of Wooka, a startup making the UK's first ever eco-friendly, reusable, comfortable and vegan period underwear. See you then. I'm off to do a pants wash. 